Richard Nixon. Well, I'm not a crook. Ronald Reagan. Tear down this wall. George. Donald Trump. And a friend of mine for a long time, he uh, only likes politics. If you ask him about how are the Yankees doing, he has no interest. If you ask him almost anything, he likes politics and he's a professional at the highest level. Roger Stone. All of these presidents relied on one man to secure their seat in the Oval Office. That man is Roger Stone. On New Year's this has brought a vicious assault on President Donald Trump, distorting the facts about his connection to Jeffrey Epstein. A number of influencers and other bots in the service of would-be presidential candidates Ron DeSantis and Joe Biden are misstating the history between Donald Trump and Jeffrey Epstein. It should come as no surprise uh, that uh, such a narrative was previously used by Hillary Clinton and her flunkies to distract from Clinton's extensive financially beneficial relationship with rapist and sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein that Trump knew and was at social gatherings with Jeffrey Epstein is accurate. It's also previously known. However, Donald Trump was only on Epstein's plane once, and that was with his wife, Marla Maples, and their daughter, Tiffany. The Trumps flew from New York to Palm Beach and from Palm Beach back to New York on one occasion when Trump's private plane was out of service. Uh, so recent claims that Trump was on Epstein's plane multiple times, which seemed to be coming from British tabloids, are entirely false. I know because I reviewed all of the FAA records on Epstein's plane when I wrote my book, The Clinton's War on Women. In fact, I was probably the second uh, public figure uh, in America to expose Jeffrey Epstein. Tomorrow, right here on the Stone Zone at 8 p.m., Nick Bryant, formerly of Gawker, the first journalist in America to dig into and expose Jeffrey Epstein, the man who first published the FAA flight records, the man who first published Epstein's little black book, is going to join us right here on this show. Palm Beach Police Chief Michael Ryder insisted that he gave the Florida County State's Attorney in Palm Beach more than enough evidence from a six-month undercover investigation to charge Epstein with 35 incidents of child sex trafficking and multiple counts of rape. Therefore, Chief Ryder was shocked 
when the state's attorney filed the sweetheart plea deal that Epstein's high-priced lawyers, including Roy Black, Gerald Lefcourt, Alan Dershowitz, and former U.S. Solicitor General Ken Starr had negotiated. The state's attorney, who gave Epstein this slap on the wrist, immediately resigned and formed a private law firm where he began providing very expensive legal services to several of Epstein's accomplices. Trump broke with Epstein prior to Epstein's prosecution in Florida. The Clintons continued to party and grift off Epstein after he was charged in Florida. Epstein should have gone down for sex trafficking. Instead, Epstein was allowed to plead to one count of solicitation, a shocking plea deal that required him to serve his time in the air-conditioned Palm Beach County Jail, where he only had to be incarcerated between 10 p.m. at night and 6 a.m. in the morning. Epstein often had his gourmet meals uh, brought in. The Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office operated more like Jeffrey Epstein's personal security detail as they transported him during his daytime business activities or on his leisure time at his Palm Beach mansion. Now, when Palm Beach Police Chief Ryder took his concerns about the state's attorney's soft plea deal with Epstein to U.S. Attorney Alex Acosta, Acosta launched his own investigation. Then he rubber-stamped the conclusions of the state investigation and sought to seal the record. Had he been successful, we would know nothing of Jeffrey Epstein today. Fortunately, after a long legal battle, the Palm Beach Post ultimately obtained the documents that proved that the Bush Justice Department instructed Acosta to give Epstein a pass. Why? In preparation for his confirmation hearings in the U.S. Senate, when he was appointed Secretary of Labor by President Donald Trump, Acosta told U.S. Senate staffers that if asked about his disposition of the Epstein case when he was U.S. attorney, he would simply say that the Department of Justice told him that Epstein worked for the CIA and that the matter needed to be closed and the file legally sealed. Incredibly, I know firsthand that President Donald Trump was never told that Acosta was the U.S. attorney who gave Epstein a pass when members of the White House staff recommended Acosta for the position of Secretary of Labor. Ultimately, Acosta would resign during the Trump administration after his past association with Epstein became known. After serving his state sentence, Epstein essentially returned to the management of his blackmail and sex trafficking operations. But for the dogged reporting of Julie K. Brown of the Miami Herald, whose exposure of the facts about Epstein caused his subsequent indictment uh, and led to his questionable suicide. Virginia Giuffre, uh, now married, is among the victims who sued Epstein for his sexual abuse. 33 other victims uh, settled for millions of dollars. But in her lawsuit deposition, Giuffre said that she met billionaire Donald Trump uh, at Epstein's Palm Beach mansion on one occasion, and that Trump was a, quote, complete gentleman, and that she never saw him acting inappropriately. Through her attorneys, Giuffre also said that Trump was the only significant public figure within Epstein's orbit who was helpful to her attorneys. 
Trump turned down numerous invitations to Epstein's hedonistic private island and his Palm Beach home. There is no evidence whatsoever that Donald Trump did anything improper. Norma Federer, Trump's longtime personal assistant, who would later become a very good friend of mine, told me that Trump thought Epstein was, quote, creepy. The one time I visited Palm Beach, his Palm Beach home, the swimming pool was full of beautiful young girls, Trump told a member of his club, Mar-a-Lago. How nice, I thought. He let the Hollywood, pardon me, he let the neighborhood kids use his pool. According to his personal security guard, who I interviewed for my 2015 book, Trump left Epstein's home within 15 minutes of arrival, feeling uncomfortable with the strange ratio of older men to much younger women. Now, many of the Epstein-based smears against Trump are being recycled by Ron DeSantis's organized flying monkeys on the internet, but they originated with the Clinton campaign. That's because Hillary and Bill Clinton, well, they have a lot to hide. You see, Jeffrey Epstein is the one who provided millions in seed funding for the Clinton Global Initiative. Bill Clinton visited Epstein's island on at least 17 occasions, as well as being identified by FAA records as having been on Epstein's plane 26 times. The Clinton Foundation provided 100% of the funding for Terra Mar, that's a nonprofit con uh, controlled by Epstein pimp Ghislaine Maxwell, which was utilized to hire young female interns to allegedly work on environmental projects when actually constituting a grooming pool for Epstein's future victims. Unlike the Clintons, Donald Trump cut Epstein off after he heard about an inappropriate advance by Epstein towards a young woman who worked in the spa at Mar-a-Lago. And Trump told security that Epstein was barred from the property in perpetuity. The Clintons continued to socialize and fundraise with Jeffrey Epstein after his state conviction. The Clinton Foundation actually took a donation from Epstein after he had received a probable cause affidavit filed on him by the Palm Beach police in May of 2006. Jeffrey, uh, Trump cut Jeffrey Epstein off well before state charges were brought against him. The Clintons' desperate attempt to distract from their own relationship with, with uh, Jeffrey Epstein by throwing shade on Donald Trump uh, is a, well, it's a fugazi. Now the influencers propping up Ron DeSantis and Joe Biden are recycling the same trash. While we're at it, let me address the completely bogus claim that I myself was once seen on Epstein's island. Uh, I was identified because, well, I was shirtless, and you could see the Nixon tattoo that is on my back, and I was wearing a bull mask. This is complete and total fabrication. I've never been on Epstein's plane. I've never been in his home in New York or anywhere else. Uh, I've never uh, been to his island. I had no interaction with him whatsoever. I am, however, the first public official to expose him in my 2015 book, The Clinton's War on Women. It's the longest chapter in the book. It's entitled Orgy Island. I urge you to check it out. Folks, these attacks on Donald Trump were a smear in 2016, and they're a smear today. Thanks for joining us uh, on The Stone Zone. 
uh, I want to remind you uh, that we're brought to you by the great folks at MyPillow.com. Now, uh, Mike Lindell is a great personal friend. He's uh, maybe the country's number one advocate for free speech, for election integrity, uh, and for the U.S. Constitution. But let me urge you to go to MyPillow.com right now. And when you do go, well, use promo code STONE. That's promo code STONE. Uh, There's some great products there that I want to speak to specifically. I'm a giant fan uh, of the dog beds uh, that come in three sizes, small, medium, and large, suitable for dogs or cats. I'm also uh, a great fan of the pet blankets, uh, another great product. Now, when Mrs. Stone and I go down for the night, we like to crank the air conditioning down pretty low. Uh, the, The MyPillow pet blankets allow your cats or dogs uh, to slumber uh, nice and warm. I think you should check them out. Uh, You can either go to MyPillow.com and use promo code STONE, or uh, you can go and dial 1-800-544-8939 to place your order. Uh, But uh, please, there has to be someone in your family in your circle who you forgot to give a Christmas or holiday gift to. Now is your opportunity because at MyPillow, right now, there is free shipping on your entire order. So please go to MyPillow.com, and when you do, use promo code STONE. We will appreciate it. For 48 years, uh, a man named Mr. Blackwell, who was a syndicated columnist, in Hollywood, California, produced an international best and worst dressed list. Uh, This is a a great tradition, but 48 years is a long time. And when Mr. Blackwell passed away in 2008, I decided to pick up this gauntlet and to publish the list. For 15 years, I have done so. There were only two occasions in which the list was not published. One one was in 2020, uh, probably 2020, when I was gagged from all public communication by a federal judge. Uh, And then there was no list in 2021 because my wife had just been diagnosed with aggressive stage four cancer, from which I'm happy to report she is in total remission. Thank you, Jesus Christ. Uh, It was hard enough to come up with a list of the best and worst dressed ladies and gentlemen prior to the development of this whole transgendered phenomenon in which men wear women's clothes and women wear men's clothes. This makes it even more difficult. Now, let me point out that my list is not political. So I would note that the late Senator Ted Kennedy was on my best dress list for several years. And as you will see shortly, MAGA podcaster Steve Bannon once again, dresses uh, graces our worst dress list for yet another year. The list is nonpartisan. It's entirely non-ideological. I actually have to fight the urge to inject politics into it. Blackwell spent decades reporting on the very best and very worst dressed people in the world. His scorn or his imprimatur could be the kiss of death uh, or the keys to the kingdom for an aspiring actress, a socialite, or a business titan. At the same time, his withering criticism could destroy the up and coming. 
Now, I've carried on this tradition in the years uh, I began 15 years ago with the Daily Caller, and this year was no different. Now, this year has been full of political, social, and cultural calamities, but it has also been populated with some of the best and worst sartorial events around the world. There have been some legendary statements of impeccable taste and some utterly shocking crimes, not only against good taste, but against the basic tenets of true style. Now, once again, I want to remind you that while fashion is fleeting, style is timeless and enduring. Skirts may be go up or skirts may come down. Neckties may become wider or thinner, but the double-breasted navy blue blazer with gold military buttons will never be out of style. A little black cocktail dress will always look smashing. A seersucker suit is always appropriate between Memorial Day and Labor Day. Now, I've made this point in the past, but I feel it necessary to make it again uh, in this age of sartorial error. Uh, just as you shouldn't order fish at a steakhouse, you shouldn't wear a jean jacket to a wedding. You wouldn't show up in a three-piece suit at a bowling alley. Uh, workout clothes are for the gym, not for a five-star restaurant. As I noted in my 2018 book, Stone's Rules, which included a foreword by my friend Tucker Carlson, the best dressed person is the one who's appropriately dressed for the activity in which they intend to engage. It's amazing how many people don't get this simple rule. Now, a lifetime achievement category became necessary for me when a handful of true days and swans dominated the best list for several years. So in order to create room for the up and coming, I had to create this category of sartorial perfection. In the past years, economic advisor Larry Kudlow, the architect of America's economic revival under President Donald Trump, uh, CNN's Mike Smirkanish, a presidential daughter Ivanka Trump, uh, NBC's Josh Mankiewicz, uh, CBS Sports Shannon Sharp, uh, rocker Mark Ronson, uh, and New York public relations whiz Audrey Gelman have all graced the best dress list for so many years that I ultimately had them graduate to the lifetime achievement category. This year, former and future First Lady Melania Trump uh, is honored uh, in the list and now joins the lifetime achievement category. America has not had a more stylish, thanks to Trump derangement syndrome, he was never honored that she so richly deserved. So we salute them all. Let's now go into the pantheon of those who were inducted this year in the best dressed category. Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City. Now, here is proof that our list is not political. While the mayor of New York City may be under fire in a corruption scandal uh, and for the invasion of illegal immigrants, rising crime and other issues facing Gotham, uh, it never deters him from being one of the most well-turned-out dressers in the country. Uh, his use of timeless Windsor knots and widespread collars remains one of the most consistent and clear messages to the public regarding his sartorial instincts. 
Now, Adams uh, wisely embraces form-fitting tailoring. Uh, and I would say right now that he's the best-dressed mayor of the Big Apple since Jimmy Walker. He's also probably the most competent mayor of New York City since Bill de Blasio. But, well, that's another story. Uh, if you're on X, formerly known as Twitter, you're probably familiar with our next inductee. Dom Lucra is an investigative journalist. He's on the opposite end of the political spectrum from Eric Adams. He's a former hip-hop executive. He's a, a veteran of the armed services uh, and a tough and incisive investigative journalist. Dom Lucra is a cut above the rest. While he enjoys styling some of the more casual aspects of fashion, when the moment calls for it, he can be dressed to the nines, and he never disappoints. Lucrid's method of choice is the double-breasted suit, which we, of course, favor the six-button model here at the Stone Zone. But Dom pulls off the four-button double-breasted suit that works extraordinarily well for him. So in this case, dreads and a natty double-breasted suit, it's a, it's a look that just works. Julia Garner is an actress. Now, some might assume from her hard-charging portrayal as Ruth on the Netflix series Ozark that Julia Garner would favor a more rural or rustic vibe. But she has continued to stun onlookers on the red carpet with her classy, refined, and sometimes out-of-the-box choices. The Golden Globe-winning actress can pull off a simple black dress or a white ensemble complete with a cape just the same. Uh, and since it's the year of Barbie, let's not forget her Barbie-esque outfit from the Golden Globes. Any best dress list must include Tom Brady, the Super Bowl champion. He's got the jawline. He's got the look. He's got the championship rings. And while it's understandable that many of his public appearances feature him in sports or leisure wear, 2023 has seen this GOAT lean towards a more casual James Dean style, often appearing in simplistic outfits, sporting a sleek black leather jacket, a matching sweater or T-shirt. But make no mistake, Tom Brady can sport a suit like no other. Also on my best dress list, Charlene, the Princess of Monaco. Her Royal Highness has spent decades attracting attention to her innovative, diverse, and stunning style, kind of similar to Princess Diana, although she will always remain far behind. This native South African Olympic swimmer has a but she doesn't let that stop her from turning heads. Her ability to, vac to vacillate between basic bell-bottoms and blouses to more formal evening gowns or attire for royal occasions demonstrates that it's always a matter of being in your Sunday best to be considered a pinnacle of style and fashion. Uh, if you're on the right, you know Greg Kelly of Newsmax, also of WABC Radio. Journalist Greg Kelly uh, adheres to the KISS method, keep it simple stupid, when preparing for his live shows and his television broadcasts. One cannot underestimate this approach. We've all felt at some moment we should take a chance with our wardrobe, which is, I guess, understandable. But as most of us like consistency in our journalism, Kelly likes consistency in the, in the simplicity of his daily ensemble. 
a couple of years ago, Kelly once mused on social media about taking over authorship of this list on an annual basis. I told Greg Kelly he could have it when I was dead. Uh, Zendaya is an actress and musician, a returning favorite to my international best and worst dress list. This Hollywood starlet, accomplished musician, has once again earned a spot on the best dress list. Filming and promoting her upcoming release of the sequel to the blockbuster remake of Dune has not prevented her from adhering to her impeccable stylistic splendor. So again, like others in 2023, she's embraced the color pink. Come on, Barbie, let's go party. During her appearances uh, on the red carpet for the annual Screen Actors Guild Awards, which featured an open-shouldered concept and was, she was festooned with fabric rose petals, it was an amazing look. Some of you may know John Tobacco, uh, he's the host of The Wise Guys on Newsmax TV. He's a journalist, an entrepreneur, uh, founder of LocateStock.com. He knows how to read the market and also land in the proper outfit when it's for his daily broadcast or a night on the town or when he's leading a public peaceful protest against the illegal invasion of New York City. Somewhere between Wall Street and Wise Guys, tobacco, tobacco suits have a flair that makes it savvy and, well, maybe even a little bit dangerous. Continuing on our best dressed list is Owen Schroyer, the host of War Rooms uh, on InfoWars, uh, and as most of you know, recently released uh, from federal prison. Despite the lengths that the Biden Justice Department and D.C. officials have gone to to imprison him and defile his this hardworking journalist has not let them dampen his spirits when it comes to getting ready for prime time. In recent years, he's moved from a more casual to a more professional approach in his attire, which I personally welcome wholeheartedly. He's one of the few people who can wear a dress shirt that is darker than his tie and get away with it. More recently, he's been seen in a jaunty Panama hat, which I gave him as a present on his release. Then there's the actress, uh, actor uh, Idris Elba. Uh, this is the one and only true heir to the throne of James Bond. Luther and the wire star Idris Elba has long been on our radars, appeared in previous years on our best dressed list. His suit at the Milan fashion show is an impeccable aquamarine that made a statement once again that he can rock a and a t-shirt at the same time. Then there's Patrick Bet David of Value Podcast. This Iranian-born entrepreneur, businessman, author, and webcaster gravitates towards the Gordon Gecko style of male style, of male style uh, despite running his businesses, engaging in outspoken activism, and filming a daily show, Patrick Bet David knows the rules and never deviates. Uh, the well-dressed financier and burgeoning journalist is now on our list for the first time, and happy to have him. Uh, Marianne Williamson, the Democratic presidential candidate uh, and the New Age proponent, could easily be the mother at the sleepover who employs you to explore the power of mystical crystals, but indeed, when it comes to fashion and style, 
keys herself an icon. She has the figure, the adventurous attitude, and the courage to try the idea of the female pantsuit. This is not meant as a slight. Williamson can wear a suit better than many men. Proving once again, our list is not ideological. Williamson has some wacky ideas out there on the left. She always looks great. Uh, Eric Metaxas uh, is the best-selling author and host of the Eric Metaxas Show uh, on the Trinity Broadcast Network. Uh, Eric Metaxas has taken a lot of heat for his beliefs, but critics should lay off. Metaxas knows the importance of pinstripe, double-breasted suits, and a solid pocket square. Now, Eric is a disciple of the legendary New York tailor, Nemo Spano, who sat away only weeks ago. Uh, and he wears a, uh, a custom-made suit with a bit more shoulder and a bit more uh, than the traditional drape suit made uh, by Anderson and Shepard of Savile Row for me 30 years ago. Every once in a while, Eric Metaxas knows how to sport a cutaway collar, but teams it with an Ivy League college style that includes Tweety sports coats, V-neck sweaters, uh, and natty neckwear. Catherine, the Prince of Wales, despite the fact that she's not the royal heir apparent to the English throne, she's definitely uh, one uh, of high royal standards. Princess Catherine does a great job of shifting her wardrobe between the more conservative Queen Elizabeth uh, and uh, Princess Diana. From well-appointed pantsuits to simpler peacoats, joined by sweaters beneath, the Princess of Wales continues to impress. Brandon Howes. Uh, who you may know from the Worldview Report. Uh, millions have heard this guy on the radio, but only those who watch his Worldview Report online realize what a snappy dresser he is. Howe's signature look includes uh, an odd vest and tasteful monogram pocket squares placed just so in the breast pocket of his custom suits or sports jackets. Never seen without a necktie on air, Brandon Howe spreads the gospel of Jesus Christ and the truth about world affairs in true style. Uh, if you're on X, formerly known as Twitter, you must know Isabel Maria DeLuca, which is what they call an online influencer. Now, DeLuca is a rising star who has set the bar on female dress in the conservative movement. DeLuca has not slowed down in 2023, giving us look after look that remains extremely impressive. Her look is always polished, stylish, and timeless. She looks sexy without ever looking trashy. I usually hate it when women post selfies on social media, but not so with DeLuca. This is her second year on the best dressed list. Finishing our best dressed category, uh, and who we're going to contrast with another president momentarily, Nayib Bukele, the president of El Salvador. Now, this young Latin American leader has embarked upon one of the most significant crackdowns on gang activity in El Salvador, which when he was elected was one of the most violent, dangerous countries in the world. Uh, we understand that he had to embrace a more relaxed, in-command style for most of his presidency, but when he appears at official events or state visits, he uh, wears a suit and looks the part. So unlike the Ukrainian president, who we'll talk about momentarily, uh, he refuses that grungy Fidel Castro look. Bukele looks like, well, a president. 
Now the fun part, folks, the worst dressed people in America. I can't even explain the sartorial suicide that is Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida. For years, I wondered if he actually even owned a suit. Uh, but with presidential campaigns exploding faster than the Hindenburg, his newfound affection for bargain bin suits and Tom Cruise platform shoes or those weird cowboy boots that curl up in the front because they have lifts in them, it's all too much. Now, here's the part that bothers me the most. Dwight Eisenhower did not wear a dopey vest that had the logo for his presidential campaign on the chest. Uh, either either, uh, either Richard Nixon, Nixon, Ronald Reagan wouldn't be caught dead in something of that like that. But DeSantis wears one. It's tacky and it's not presidential. And you couldn't put together a list of the worst dressed people in the world without mentioning Jill Biden, the first lady of the United States who got a doctorate degree, apparently never studied anything about style or fashion or good taste. Why do her dresses always look like they were made from the kitchen or a tablecloth or a rug or maybe even an old sofa? I mean, her choice of cheap-looking prints is not good for her. Now, Joe Biden was actually on the list last year as one of the best-dressed people in America, and his wife could take some lessons from her husband. Now we come to Volodymyr Zelensky. This actor-comedian who was hired by the oligarchs to play the part of the president of Ukraine has spent far too many times dressed down as he bilks billions from foreign leaders. We have to wonder if this guy even owns a suit. That grungy military-style sweatshirt uh, might make him look the part of a leader uh, at war. Shouldn't the guy at least put on a suit uh, and tie when addressing a joint session of Congress? I mean, after all, Winston Churchill did. Here's an update note. Uh, Zelensky wore a suit and tie when he addressed the World Economic Forum, but a, not the, a joint session of Congress. What the hell? Then, of course, there's Senator John Fetterman. Uh, this guy notoriously possesses all the sartorial instincts of a hobo. When you're serving the people of America and Pennsylvania, United States Senate, but you can't dress up in anything other than a hoodie, uh, cargo shorts, and a baggy T-shirt? Really? So Fetterman tries to play this off as kind of working class energy, but it's far from it. It's disrespectful to the decorum of the U.S. Senate. Uh, I think it's interesting that when Chuck Schumer, who himself dresses like an aluminum siding salesman, from Long Island, relax the U.S. Senate Thank you.
She created that left untold numbers of people to be broken out is more than enough to earn or place on the worst dress list. And so little concern with what she's wearing and how she looks. And of course, I have to mention Steve Bannon. Sloppy Steve has made my worst dress list for a number of years. I honestly think he is chasing down hobos or dumpster diving to choose his wardrobe. I don't understand the button-down shirt on top of the button-down shirt look, uh, or when he's all clad in black, this kind of fat Johnny Cash vibe that he does. And what's with the pens clipped in his shirt? Does this guy own a necktie? Uh, would it hurt to shave and wash his hair? Uh, unkempt, slovenly, inappropriate. That's what I call it. Uh, Bill Belichick, the, the championship NFL coach, can somebody get this man a suit, a proper fitting track suit, uh, anything that doesn't make him look absolutely offensive? Uh, much has been said about his lack of style, but what more can we say? He looks like a man on a week-long bender checked into a small motel outside of Boston rather than a Super Bowl winning coach. Uh, Madonna has to be commented on. I used to love the Madonna of the blonde ambition tour days, but uh, atrocious plastic surgery, decades of rampant drug use, and an overall decline in the kind of outfits she finds acceptable to step out of the house are a perfect storm of repugnance. There's not much to be said about how horrific her wardrobes become. She looks like a bag lady. And this is a woman who once sold 300 million records worldwide. Very sad. Uh, Sam Brinton, you remember him, the former Biden administration in favor, in charge of nuclear waste disposal, uh, might want to try his hand in auditioning for Stephen King's Pennywise in the future installments of the film IT. I don't know what's more concerning. The obscene crimes against style by Britain, uh, his penchant for below clearance rate shades of lipstick and makeup, or the fact that evidently he stole most of the clothes that he is wearing. Two special mentions before we wrap this up. Uh, Charles Payne of Fox Business News, uh, a large man who understands that you can dress to hide your bulk uh, with his well-tailored suits and tasteful neckwear, this Fox business broadcaster always hits the marks. Uh, uh, no one really does pinstriping better uh, as a long-time inductee of our best dressed list. Uh, he seems to do seamlessly what most people cannot. Aside from his spot-on financial analysis, he sets a standard for on-air style. Last but not least 
is my friend, is my friend Tucker, Tucker Carlson. Now, Tucker Carlson is the last person who would want to be on this list. In fact, I guarantee you, he hates it. But facts are facts. He may be gone from Fox News, but Tucker Carlson's style remains. From fly fishing to launching his own network, Tucker Carlson uh, remains uh, committed to Ivy League style. His waspy approach of dressing uh, makes it look like he spent no time whatsoever thinking about what he's going to wear. That's because he doesn't. Uh, long ago, he dumped his bow ties. I confess that I love them. But his choice of regimental stripe neck neckwear is virtually perfect. So although he's now his own boss, he can decide when he wants to wear a necktie and when he doesn't have it. So that, folks, uh, wraps up our 15th annual uh, men and women's best dressed list. Uh, we're now going to move uh, to what most people tune into the Stone Zone for, which is politics. Now, uh, it is absolutely clear that we are just uh, less than two weeks away from the Iowa caucuses. And the question is not whether President Donald Trump will win. Uh, he's pulled out to the largest lead in polling he's had to date in Iowa. Uh, but who's going to come in second? Let me predict to you right now that if Nikki Haley, uh, who is the establishment uniparty neocon candidate for president, manages to slip by Ron DeSantis for a very, very, the headline would be Haley defeats DeSantis in Iowa upset, subhead, Trump comes in first as expected. Get ready for that because I think it might happen. It's important to understand that a caucus is not a primary. Your primary, you just walk in, you vote, and you leave. In a caucus, it's a very cold night. Uh, you have to stay for an hour or 45 minutes uh, to cast your vote. It could be even longer depending on who shows up uh, to vote for the caucuses. But you have to identify enough people to win before you can turn them out. I know that Donald Trump has done that. Even the Wall Street Journal concedes that he has built the greatest uh, well-oiled machine in the history uh, of the Iowa caucuses. Ron DeSantis has spent a huge amount of money in a campaign that largely has been a dumpster fire. Uh, and Nikki Haley is depending almost completely on broadcast television, saturation cable news network, television, and digital advertising. <coughs> this has traditionally not worked well in the Iowa caucuses. Nikki Haley also, also stepped in step, what George H.W. Bush called deep doo-doo yesterday, badly botching a question when she was asked what the Civil War was about and failing to come up with an answer that included slavery. So uh, her strategy is clear. Get by DeSantis in Iowa and hope for that that bounce will catch her in New Hampshire. I don't think her recent views uh, on uh, the Civil War uh, or her position uh, in favor of a six-week ban on abortion are going to allow her to pull independence into the New Hampshire Republican primary. It's one of the few states in the country where independents can vote in the primary. Uh, I also uh, must admit that uh, uh, watching video uh, of Ron DeSantis 
it is clear that he is out of patience and out of time. I actually saw him snap uh, at a voter uh, in a video. Uh, and then, of course, you have the ongoing efforts uh, at lawfare, which is the only thing, in my opinion, that could stop Donald Trump from returning to the presidency. Uh, I'm a veteran of 13 national uh, Republican presidential campaigns. Uh, I try to be uh, dispassionate when I study the polling, but I can tell you firsthand that in my 45 years in politics, I have never seen this kind of voter intensity, this kind of loyalty for a candidate for public office. Uh, and uh, this is counterintuitive, but the more they charge him with fabricated crimes in Washington, D.C., in Fulton County, Georgia, in South Florida, uh, in, uh, in, in, uh, in the District of Columbia, the stronger his lead will get. Now, I'm sure everybody has seen the controversy in which leftist groups funded by George Soros have attempted to remove Donald Trump from the ballot based on the argument that he is guilty of insurrection. The problem with that is Donald Trump has never been convicted of insurrection in any court of law. Also, uh, Article 14, Section 3 of the U.S. Constitution which was written originally to keep those who sided with the Confederacy out of federal office, specifically pertains to officers of the United States. The president and the vice president of the United States, based on previous Supreme Court rulings, are not officers of the United States. So this is a reach to say the least. But notice that they're trying it in Michigan, Minnesota, New Hampshire, Florida, Vermont, uh, and numerous other states. Uh, good news in the past week, the U.S. Supreme Court uh, took this question up, uh, and uh, I suspect that they will rule according to the law. They also um, rejected an effort by Special Counsel Jack Smith, who really wants to, uh, to speed this trial. In other words, they urgently want a trial to happen in 2024. Uh, a trial afterwards is too dangerous for them. Uh, they want uh, Donald Trump in the dock. They want him required to attend his criminal trial, uh, keeping him off of the campaign trail where he cannot go uh, to uh, swing states, uh, and siphoning millions of dollars from his campaign for president. I believe that they are going to fail. Uh, I believe in the end uh, that if these trials take place, they will end up taking place next year. Uh, therefore, I'm optimistic uh, about the future of America. Uh, I know Donald Trump, the man. And I must tell you, he's the toughest individual I've ever met. Uh, he's resolute, uh, he is determined, and he's extraordinarily confident. Uh, he's never been stronger than he has been in this moment. Uh, and he's right. This is not about him. It's about us. You see, uh, they want to take his freedom first because they really intend to try to take our freedom. And more and more Americans, I think, recognize that. So I want to thank you for joining us uh, here on the Stone Zone. We're going to be here at eight o'clock. Uh, Eastern uh, every single day, five days a week. Tomorrow, Nick Bryant, 
the first American journalist to expose Jeffrey Epstein and who knows more about the Jeffrey Epstein case than perhaps anyone in America joins us right here in the Stone Zone. Until then, God bless you and Godspeed. And a friend of mine for a long time, he uh, only likes politics. If you ask him about how are the Yankees doing, he has no interest. If you ask him almost anything, he likes politics and he's a professional at the highest level, Roger Stone. Where's Roger? <laughs> and a friend of mine for a long time, he uh, only likes politics. If you ask him about how are the Yankees doing, he has no interest. If you ask him almost anything, he likes politics and he's a professional at the highest level, Roger Stone. Where's Roger? <laughs> Thank you, Roger.